Good morning, Chapel Hill. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along as we dig back into the Word. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, just put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use to follow along with. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, just go ahead and keep the one that you receive. Um, Thank you very much for being here this morning. We're excited about all that's happening in this service and throughout this day. Um, To start things off, I'm going to have Mike Martins come up, and we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk about some of our missionaries. Um, You may know Steve and Jenny Meeker. uh, We've been supporting them as missionaries in this church for a long, long time, and they are serving in Croatia and have a tremendous ministry there among the people of Croatia. And um, we're going to talk about them for a little bit. And Mike, I'm going to have you just tell us a little bit about what uh, Steve and Jenny are up to this summer, what the focus of their ministry is right now, and then we'll talk about what your role in all this is. So go ahead and share with us. Well, the Meekers have a really great program going on. Let me check and make sure it's on. With that finger. There we go. Now you're on. So the Meekers have a full schedule going on this summer. They have the regular youth camp uh, full schedule for the summer as well as a fairly new uh, thing they've got going is the leadership lab international which i think he talked about here when he was here earlier this year and that's training uh, young people uh, young adults to be christian leaders you know in ministry and in all over the world so they have uh, young people coming from all over the world this summer to be trained and it's really an exciting program Good. Awesome. And you have an exciting opportunity in front of you this summer. So why don't you tell us about uh, what you've got lined up and um, how we can be involved in that. All right. Well, as some of you know, I finished uh, paramedic school. I got my degree this past year, and I've been looking for a way to use my degree um, for for the Lord and his service. And Steve uh, contacted me and said, hey, can you come to Croatia because we need a camp nurse? And or camp medic, so I'm going to go be <laughs> I'm going to go be the camp medic for a week in July, and it's it's really cool for me to be able to go back. I've been there twice before, and it, it's a place that's really near and dear to my heart. And I'm looking forward to it. It'll be about uh, ten days I'll spend in Croatia from July 6th to the 17th. I think I'm, is my schedule. So. Uh, what I'm looking for is people like you that uh, love the Meekers and want to help me out to go and serve them. Because like in the U.S., they can't have camp if they don't have a qualified medical person on staff. And this week, they do have a, a young person that does have a significant medical issue that their parents were very concerned about. So it's good that I can fill that role. So I'm looking to uh, raise about... $1,500 or so. Um, so if you want to be able to pitch in and help, that'd be great. Uh, my kids, I think, are even donating. I think I heard them mumble something about 10 days without dad to be all right. So uh, <laughs> something like that. I, I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm sure something it was like pretty that. close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could uh, pray about that and just uh, write Croatia 2016 on a check and send it to church or put it in the offering, that'd be great. And I'll be in the lobby afterwards if you want to talk to me more about what I'm going to do. So thank you very much. Cool. Thank you, Mike. Thanks. (laughs) 
I'm excited for this because um, in, in God's timing, he has kept Mike available to be able to do this. And, and I appreciate that. And Mike's heart is definitely there. Um, so please do um, stop and chat with him and, and let him know how you can help out and, uh, and just jump on board with that. Let's send him over there to, to carry out this ministry this summer and help out with the Meekers and the ministry that they've got going on over there. It is very significant. Speaking of that and all of our missionaries that we support and um, the way that we stand behind what God's doing in various places in the world, today is the final day for your faith promise. This is the pledge that we make every year to our missionaries that says, yes, we will be able to support you for the coming year. It matches up with our fiscal year here, which is July 1st through the end of June. And so we want to be able to say right at the beginning of July to our missionaries, yes, we can support you again through this year. And so if you have not taken the time to fill out your faith promise and say, yes, I can participate in this. Here's what I can do. Then please get that taken care of today. And in your program, in your bulletin, there's an insert. And on the back of that insert is a form that looks just like this. And this is how you can tell us and we can tell them that you're going to support them um, through this coming year. And so please take the time to fill that out. The details are on here and uh, you have an opportunity to get that filled out today. Again, this is not, you don't have to turn in a check with this. This is your pledge. This is something that we say and commit to every year, and um, we are anxious to be able to do that again this year. We're not there yet. We need to get there, and we need to get there today so that we can let them know that, yes, they've got our support, and they've got this level of support. And you may have heard as we've put different things out regarding our missionaries that the Meekers are one of those families that needs to bring their support up or they're not going to be able to continue what they're doing. They're really close, really close. They're only about $100 a month short in, in support right now, and then they'll be fine. Mashburns are another family who are looking to bring their support up. They've lost some key supporters for various reasons and we want to be able to step in as a church and say yes we will support you here's what we can continue to do or even increase what we've been doing Um, so make sure that you take care of that today before you leave all right Uh, one more thing before we get into the word is just a word of congratulations to the Thiel family on Krista's wedding yesterday a very exciting time. It was a beautiful ceremony. It was outside at the, at the Earl Brown Heritage Center. Um, and it got down to literally the last five minutes of the ceremony before we felt the drop of rain. It was perfect timing. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was a wonderful day. And um, just our congratulations to their family on the, the wedding of Krista and Thomas. Um, another great day. And if it seems like I'm up here congratulating people for weddings every Sunday, that's because it's true. Um, and... Next Sunday, I won't be able to say that, but I will be in Michigan officiating another wedding. Um, so you can, uh, you can send up some thoughts and prayers for the Montgomery family as Jessica gets married on Saturday in Michigan. Uh, we're heading out, and I get to the privilege of officiating that wedding. So congratulations to them ahead of time since I won't be here next Sunday. All right. Moving on, um, we want to, to back up here again and just get our, our, our heads wrapped around what it is we're doing here. We're in our study of First Peter, and, um, and hopefully three decades from now, somebody will take my place and he'll just pick up where I leave off in First Peter. Um, we're working right now with First Peter chapter 2, verse 18. We kind of got stuck there. And the reason we got stuck there is simply this. 
Peter says, servants, be subject to your masters. He's talking about a working class, a class of servants, and he's giving them instruction on how to interact with, how to behave with, how to be subject to their masters, their bosses. And we wanted to break that out and start talking about work and what that means for us as followers of Christ and how we integrate our faith with our work. What does our work mean to God? What should it mean to us? And we want to get into that. We want to dig into all of that. But one of the things that this has caused me to do is just to to stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What I don't want to do, church, is I don't want to teach you how to do your work better and how to consider your work as another spiritual thing to add on to the spiritual things that you do. I don't want to teach you how to be a better Christian at work. That's not what we're after. There's something much bigger going on here. And God's just been pressing it on me. He's, te- he's told me just step back and take a look at a bigger picture here. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I want to do uh, this morning. Some more is, is not just push on, not just go, okay, well, how do, we, how do we put this in the right category, this work thing in the right category? Um, there is something much bigger going on here. And I don't want to push work into that spiritual activity box that we've been talking about. That's not, that's not what I'm after. Um, last week we talked about, uh, a, a lot of this kind of stuff. We talked about two ministry models, the one that we currently have. And this was the one that we said we currently have that, that I think is very true when it comes to Christian ministry in this culture, um, from the ministry perspective, from the ministry side of this, um, our job as it seems to be as ministry leaders is to recruit the people of God, to use some of their leisure time to join the missionary initiatives of paid church workers. And we looked at that model and said, no, this is not what we want. This is a little frightening how accurate this thing is and how much it describes ministry in the West and sort of how we viewed things. Instead, we want to look towards this model that we need that is simply this, to equip the people of God for fruitful mission in all of their lives. And so I don't want to take this work thing and put it in that category of, come on, join what we're doing. I'm a pastor. I'm out evangelizing all the time. You need to evangelize like me and you need to do it in your workplace. That's not what we're doing because there's something much bigger going on here. And I want to talk about that some more this morning. I want to talk about that bigger thing. We talked last week about how, uh, how we... We have a tendency to look at our faith, at our spiritual life as something that fits into part of our leisure time. The part of our leisure time that's left that we can give to spiritual things. And we want to break that. Last week we talked about God's covenant with Abraham. This is what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 verses 2 and 3. He said, Abraham, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we talked about the fact that we church are Abraham's family. We've been adopted into God's family. We are God's chosen people. A holy nation, a royal priesthood, as Peter puts it. We've looked at that identity that Peter has affirmed in us. 
And then in order to look at what God told Abraham and what God's telling his church about what it is he has for us to do, we cannot possibly squeeze that into the 5% of our lives that we give to spiritual things. It can't happen that way. This is whole life faith. And I want to continue to drive that home this morning. And so we move forward and we look at, at Jesus and some of the things that he said. We want to look at his greatest commandment. What he said was the greatest commandment this morning. He was questioned. What is the greatest commandment? And his response in Matthew twenty two thirty seven was simply this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He put that first. And he didn't put it out there as a little thing that you can do with a little bit of time. It's not possible. It's not possible to put that, what Jesus says, into a little compartment in our lives and say, well, in that time, in that time that I've compartmentalized for spiritual things, this is what I do. I will love the Lord my God with everything I've got in 5% of my time. It can't happen. And this is not a new thing. This goes way back. This is God speaking these words back in Deuteronomy 6, 5. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then he adds this, and with all your might, with all your strength. That's in there too, with everything that we've got. And this whole life faith is only going to make sense if we understand that the root and motivation of all of this is found here in our love for God. It's not in what we do for God, the things that we label as spiritual things. It is in our love for God, the love that we have for him. It all pours out of that. It's not something that we can see and treat as an activity, as an event, as a ritual, as a tradition, or even as a good spiritual discipline. It goes way beyond that. It's an act of love to the one who loves us deeply. You know, I've talked uh, multiple times about our position and our purpose. Thank you. One of you remembered. <laughs> Good thing it was an elder. <laughs> I've talked about our position, our identity. I've talked about our purpose, the things that God has called us to do in life. This goes into that discussion of our position and our purpose. This all ties right back into this. And it goes back to what John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, 17. John's writing about God and he says, God is love. And then he adds this in chapter 4, verse 17. He says, as he is, as God is, so also are we in this world. And you've heard me talk about that verse before. This is our position, our identity. We are love. And as God is, so are we. We are love, and so we are love in this world. We are to love. That's our purpose in this world, is to love. 
If you look at our identity, if you look at your identity, your identity is not a part-time thing. You don't jump in and out of different identities. You have one identity, and it is not part-time. It is your whole life, 24-7, every minute of every day. You are who you are. You have a position in Christ, and we looked at that again last week. Our purpose then is to love. And where I want to begin here this morning is I want us to look at his love and God's love for us. And go back to a simple classic, John 3.16, that we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This love that's mentioned in this verse and many, many places throughout Scripture, this love is agape love. And yes, here we go back to another thing I've talked about many times, agape love. The word that's used right here for God's love for us is agape love. That's the kind of love they were talking about um, I, this wedding that I'm going to do this Saturday. I, I have worked with this couple for a while and have been preparing them for marriage and all that. And, and I've, I've done this with multiple couples, working with some more now. And, and at the core of this, I'm, I'm helping them to understand, I hope, that this agape love is the foundation upon which marriages are built. Not the romantic love, not the attraction love, agape love. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that I've been, been told by this couple that this Saturday in the wedding, they want me to talk about that. They want that to be the message that comes across in the wedding. Talk about the agape love, because that's the thing that's going to make our relationship last. That's going to make it a godly relationship, a godly marriage. So what is this agape love? Let's, let's just remind ourselves of this again. Agape love welcomes others into relationship. Agape love sees others with tremendous value. Sees the value that God sees in the other person. Agape love acts on their behalf, for their benefit, for their well-being, puts them first. That's agape love. Agape love is what God demonstrated for us through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to remember that in just a little bit when we take communion together here. We're going to remember that love, that agape love that God demonstrated for us by sending his son. That John 3.16 love. Our purpose is to love. We are love. That's our position. And our purpose is to love. Love God first and love others second. And we know where to love others. And we try to practice that. We try to practice agape love towards each other. But I want to focus this morning on loving God that way. On having agape love for God. Because when we're commanded to love God with everything we've got, guess what word is being used again? It's agape love. And that love that God has for us, we're to give back to him the same kind of love, the same depth of love. That's the love that we're to have for God. So let me ask you a question this morning. And I'm asking myself the same question this morning. 
And it's not an easy one. Do you love God? Do you love him? I mean, we're talking agape love here, right? We're talking all of those things that define agape love. Do you really honestly love him like that? Because we're told to love God with everything that we've got. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love him with everything we've got. We're being asked to love God with the same love that he loves us with. We are being asked to agape love God. To welcome him into our lives to be in relationship with us. To see in him all of the value that's there. And it is boundless. To put him first. To put his well-being, to put his pleasure, his delight first. To love what he loves. To be interested in what he's interested in. We're called to love God with agape love, with the same love that he loves us with. Do you love God that way? You know, we, we try, like I said, we try to love the people around us that way. We put a lot of effort into loving our spouses that way, our kids, our friends. What about God? Does he get the first and the best and the most? We're to love what he loves. That's agape love. You love what somebody else loves. I think about that with my own family, with with my kids. I try to love what they love. I don't love video games. But they do, and so I'm going to be interested, and I'll get on there and let them kick my butt every so often because I am an absolute spaz at video games, and they just seem to pick it up like this. I try to love what my kids love. My boys love soccer, so I'm coaching soccer, and, and I love soccer too, so this all works out really well. Do you love what God loves? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Because this is, you remember, I talked about our position and our purpose, and in the middle here I talked about our perspective. And how if this isn't right, then this over here, our purpose is going to be lived out just as some sort of religious duty that we carry out. Let's talk about our perspective. What does God love? What does God love? And listen, we have limited perspective on this, a very limited perspective. Because we can see, we think on the surface, some of the things that God loves, and we go, that's what God loves, and so I'm going to participate in those things. God loves it when we read his word, I'm going to read his word. God loves it when we pray, I'm going to pray. And then if we're really pushed, we realize God loves it when we share his love with others. And so we try really hard to work up the courage to share his love with others. And sadly, it doesn't go far beyond that. Those are great things. And yes, God loves them. But is that all that God loves? Is that all that God is interested in? What does God love? 
See, if, if we just look at it and say God loves reading the Bible, he loves prayer, he loves evangelism, and, and, and we make that the sum total of these are the things that God loves, and so I need to love those things, I need to be involved in those things. Here's the, the danger, the problem with that perspective. Loving God becomes a to-do list. Is that love? It's not love, is it? Loving God gets compartmentalized by activity. These are the spiritual activities in our lives. Read the Bible, pray, evangelize. Those are the spiritual activities in our lives. And they get shoved into that compartment of spiritual things. And other activities like work and family and and so many other things are not seen as spiritual activities. Cooking, cleaning, coaching, yard work, reading, not spiritual activities. Because God's not interested in those things, is he? And we get caught thinking that those things have no eternal value, that they don't matter to God. That all these mundane, earthly things that we do don't matter to God. Those are ours. Those belong to us and our lives and our experience in this world. We don't put them over in the spiritual compartment. Isn't it possible that God may consider our jobs, our our neighborhoods, our marriages, our parenting, our volunteering, our social life, our free time as valuable? Maybe everything in our lives is valuable. Maybe he actually created us to do these things, all of these things. God is interested in our whole lives. He created us for more than just what we're calling spiritual activity. All these things fit into a bigger picture of what he's interested in, what matters to him. And what matters to him should matter to us. Why? Because we love him. God is love, so he loves. God loves the world. In John 3.16, when it says that God so loved the world, it's talking about everything, everything that he created. Mankind, the earth, and everything that he, he created as it all fits together here. That's what he loves. The word in John 3.16 is, for God so loved the cosmos. It's a huge picture. And it encompasses everything that we see around us that he created. He loves it all. God created work. We've seen that already. We looked back in Genesis and saw that he created work. And we will get back and dig into that more. He created relationships. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said so much about the one another's and how we interact with each other. God created family. God created marriage. God created leisure time. God created finances. God created communication. God created hobbies, travel, all of it. And he loves it all. So Paul writes in Colossians 3.23 that whatever we're doing, we should work heartily at it because we're doing it for God, not for ourselves, not for men. We're doing it for him. God is interested in it all. And if he's interested in it, we should be too out of love for him. We should see the eternal value in everything that we do. God loved the world. 
And that love moved him to action. He responded in love to the world that he loved. How? God so loved the world that he sent his son. To do what? To redeem the world. To restore its value. To rescue it. To deliver it. To restore my value. To rescue me. To deliver me. What are God's interests? God is interested in redeeming the world that he loves, the world that he created. And because we love him, we are interested in what he's interested in. We love what he loves. Agape love for God means that we are interested in the redemption and restoration of all things that matter to him. And all things matter to him. All of life. Not just the spiritual activities that we think that he's interested in. He is interested in all of life. All of life. When God sent his son, he sent his kingdom to this world. God sent his value system, his government, his economy. It all came in Jesus Christ. And now that coming of God's kingdom has been handed off to his church, to you and me. God's kingdom comes to this world through us, brothers and sisters. We represent his kingdom here on earth. His values are our values. His government is our government. His economy is our economy. In our agape love for God, our Father... His kingdom matters to us because it matters to him. And his kingdom is not something that we can embrace with a mere 5% of our time, 5% of our energy, 5% of our lives. The presence of his kingdom here on earth is not something that can simply be left to the professionals to carry out while the rest of us support what they do. His kingdom is represented by all of us. God's kingdom must matter to all of us, to every single one of us. Turn to Matthew chapter 13 in your Bibles. Matthew 13. Jesus had an awful lot to say about his kingdom, especially in the book of Matthew. So much is recorded there about his kingdom, about what he says about the kingdom And I want to read a few parables that Jesus spoke about his kingdom. So go to Matthew chapter 13, go down to verse 44. Two very well-known and very short parables about the value of God's kingdom. First one is this. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Then in verse 45, he, he says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. He's making a statement about the value of his kingdom. This is the value that God's interest should have to us, that his kingdom should have to us. That's why Jesus said this. 
But our role in his kingdom goes far beyond just seeing the value of the kingdom. God's not asking us to just intellectually embrace this and say, yep, I agree. Your kingdom is very valuable. Check and move on. That's not what he's looking for. And so he said plenty of other things about his kingdom. Some of what he said is right there in Matthew 13. Back up to verse 31. Now listen to what he says about his kingdom. This is different. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he gives them another one. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Something that's supposed to happen with this kingdom is simply this. It's meant to grow. Jesus said, like a mustard seed, it's meant to spread and impact and influence everything around it like yeast. God's kingdom is meant to spread into every corner of our lives, every corner of this world. God's kingdom, the thing that he is so interested in, is meant to affect every single aspect of our lives. Everything. This is not about adding work or evangelism to Bible reading and prayer as a spiritual activity. This is about God's kingdom coming and affecting every aspect of our lives. Everything. God desires to redeem and restore everything. And he's using us to do that. What does God want to do in this world? What does he love to do? He loves to redeem. And he wants to redeem what he loves. He wants to redeem your relationship with him. He wants to redeem your whole life. He wants to redeem your marriage. He wants to redeem your family. He wants to redeem your work. He wants to redeem your finances. He wants to redeem your time. He wants to redeem your sphere of influence in this world. He wants to redeem all of it, Chapel Hill, all of it. Some of it's personal, some of it's relational, some of it is missional. But God wants it all because he loves it all. And because we love God, we love what he loves. And we desire to join him in what he's doing. In our lives and in the lives of the people around us. At home, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, everywhere, in everything that we do. Love what God loves. Put his interest first. Join him in what he desires to do in this world. This is our expression of love to our father. This is agape love. God loves and he acts on that love. And the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen is the love that God demonstrated for us by sending his son Jesus into this world. To begin that redemption process. Do you love what he's done for you? Of course you do. 
Do you love what he gave you in his son, in Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he made for you? Of course you do. See, God loved, and out of that love, he moved. We are love, and out of that love, we move. And folks, there's plenty for us to do. There's plenty for us to do as we join God in redeeming what he loves. He came to redeem us because he loves us. We're used by him to redeem because we love him. Let love be the motivation for all of this. Take your little spiritual activity box, your little compartment, and kick the sides out of it. God's got something bigger in mind for us. We're going to share communion together now. And there is no better place to to start in this transformation of our minds and our hearts than to go right back to that demonstration of love that God made for us. He sent Jesus Christ, his only son. And Jesus came and he picked up the burden of the sin, the weight of the sin of this world, the weight of my sin, the weight of your sin. And he took it to the cross where it was dealt with once forever. So that you and I could enter into relationship with our father again. So that we could be restored. We could be redeemed. We could come back into that place. Where it's God and us in love. And we have that fellowship. And this morning as you come. Just thank God with everything you've got. For the love that he demonstrates for you. Thank him for the body of his son Jesus Christ. That was given up for us. That was handed over to be tortured, beaten, crucified, killed, and buried in a grave for our sake. So we wouldn't have to do this. So that our, our experience could be life, not death. And come thanking God for the blood of his son that was spilled. That was sprinkled on us for the forgiveness of our sins. It's by his blood that we've been washed clean. All of this happened because God loves us and he moved to redeem what he loves. Come thanking him for that and come with a new determination in your heart and in your mind to join God out of love in what he's doing and what matters to him. I'm going to ask the elders to come now and prepare. Let's pray as they do. Father, the depth of your love for us is astounding. And if if we stop long enough and think about how much you love us, I don't know that we're going to be able to put it into words. But you haven't asked us to just put it into words, what it means to us. You haven't asked us to just do something to show that we appreciate your love. You've asked us to love you back with everything that we've got. God, teach us to do that. Teach us to love you with the agape love that you love us with. Fill us with your love. 
so that we can love you back and enter into the things that matter to you, the things that are important to you. God, we want to join you in what you're doing. Right now, Father, we take the time to just pause and remember. We look back at what Jesus did for us willingly on that cross. We look forward to his return. Come, Lord Jesus. We look inside and ask ourselves the questions of, do we love you like we should? And we look around and we realize that this, this is the thing that binds us together in love. We are surrounded by your family. Father, bless us now as we come to partake, to remember and to partake of the elements together. We offer ourselves up to you again as a living sacrifice, ready to be used by you for the things that you love, for the desires that you have. And we do this in the name of the one who makes all this possible, in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.